Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2,327 with a release date of Friday, June 3rd, 2022. To follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. RFI rears its head even on the dark side of the moon. Australia approves remote testing for kids seeking ham licenses. And get ready for a youth on the air camp. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2,327 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. We begin this week's report with the question, just how far would you be willing to go to get away from RFI? Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us of one far-reaching attempt to do so, that, unfortunately, didn't go far enough. There were high hopes for the radio telescope aboard China's Chang'e 4 lander when it touched down on the dark side of the moon three years ago. Chinese scientists believed that such a remote, unilluminated location would be free of radio noise because the moon is a shield against RFI from the Earth. But they were wrong about the absence of noise altogether. However, the low-frequency radio spectrometer on board the lander's relay satellite cannot do its work to unlock the mysteries of the universe until another mystery is solved, how to block the noise from the moon lander's own radio emissions. Knowing early on that these emissions would pose an issue, scientists took preventive measures, but they apparently have not succeeded. One of the causes is apparently the electromagnetic leakage from the lander's power source. According to an academic paper cited in the South China Morning Post, the lander's noises are two to three times greater than the signals that the radio telescope had hoped to observe and even block the strongest pulses emitted by the sun. Researchers are now studying a mathematical solution that they hope will boost the sensitivity of the radio telescope, which is designed to receive frequencies under 30 MHz. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB, and as an aside, according to Chinese mythology, their goddess of the moon bears the name Chang'e. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Good news for the youngest ham radio candidates in Australia. Remote testing has been approved. Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, shares the details. In a reversal of their earlier policy, the Australian Communications and Media Authority and the Australian Maritime College have announced they will permit amateur radio candidates under the age of 18 to sit an exam session remotely. Online sessions for these younger candidates had been previously prohibited, even as those older than 18 were able to complete their exams in this manner to comply with health concerns during the COVID-19 pandemic. The changes are being allowed under certain conditions, including the requirement that a parent or guardian be present in the room while the test is underway. Remote exams are conducted by AMC Level 3 assessors. The Wireless Institute of Australia praised the decision, calling it a big win for everyone. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jason Daniels, VK2LAW. CW enthusiasts in New Zealand are getting ready to turn back time, turn off the amps, and put everything but their straight keys into storage for the night. Jim Meachins at L2BHF tells us what's going on. If you're in New Zealand, set aside the second Sunday in June and be in the shack between 8 and 9 p.m. local time. Winter straight key night will be going strong. 
at least as strong as the 100 watt limit, and amateurs will be paying tribute to sending code the old-fashioned way. Listen for radio operators calling CQSKN or just SKN. The exchange will be RST, location, name, key, transmitter and power. A straight key night is being held with the support of the New Zealand Morse code telegraph key directory. Remember, it's a casual event and there won't be any certificates awarded. There will be lots of QSOs, however, and a whole lot of nostalgia. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. When is a linked repeater system more than just a linked repeater system? When it's called Skyhub Link, as we hear from Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. There's more to the Colorado-based Skyhub Link repeater system than meets the ears. The interlinked repeaters and their internet connections bear the fruit of the efforts of broadcast engineer Jack Rowland, KE0VH, and Skylar Fennell, W0SKY, whose name is familiar as Newsline's 2016 winner of the Young Ham of the Year. With Jack as system administrator and Skyler as chief engineer, the network has specific goals, as Jack told Newsline. One of the premises of Skyhub Link is to connect to repeaters that get little to no use on a daily basis, link them to others to bring traffic to them and activate them. You know, so many repeaters are quiet and really don't see any use anymore. As I'm fond of saying, what? is the use of a quiet repeater. As Jack tells us, the more active the repeater, the more value it has to everyone, especially newcomers. We encourage new hams to get on and ask questions and get information from those of us who have maybe been in the hobby for a long time. You know, we as old hands, old timers, need to be more like this as much as we can in amateur radio. Skyhub Link is a welcoming system to new hams, and we always want them to feel comfortable coming on, getting on the repeater, asking questions, and feeling like they are welcome and wanted in the community. Connections are made through All-Star, DMR, Yaesu System Fusion, Wires X, D-Star, and P25. The system also supports M17, IRLP, and Echolink protocols, has a weather net with trained weather spotter Gary NC2WX, a system-wide net on Monday night run by Jack, and an international Wires X one on Saturday evenings. Visit skyhublink.com for more details. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9. VPG. What are you doing on weekends at 9.30 a.m. local time? One ham would like you to do some very low-band operation calling CQ as part of an experiment. George Zafiropoulos, KJ6VU, has those details. Clark, Alpha Alpha 8 Sierra Hotel, is calling it his ground wave experiment. He wants hams everywhere with 630-meter access to get on 474 kilohertz every Saturday and Sunday at 9.30 local time and try to make contacts. He'd like them to monitor other transmissions and post signal reports in the forum section of QRZ.com. Clark, who's been testing 630 meters operation from his shack in West Virginia, told Newsline he's hoping his experiment can provide a sense of what kind of local range 630 meters has in each community. He hopes the results help grow greater interest in the 630 meter band. Clark said that based on the ITU findings, a 630-meter signal of a certain strength can travel about 150 miles, presenting communications options unavailable on 160 and 75, which have a shorter range at the same signal level. Power limits are set at 5 watts EIRP by the ITU and the FCC. 
Clark said the potential for the band remains untapped for amateur radio, but in his own transmissions conducted at a strength of three to five watts are promising. They've been heard in Cincinnati, Ohio, about 100 miles away, and Marietta, Ohio, about 90 miles away. Clark told Newsline in an email, quote, I want as many participants, both transmitting and receiving as possible, the more the merrier. Morning operation is best, he said, because the band is quiet and free of static crashes, so common in the evenings. Clark told Newsline, there's nothing like hearing a signal to make one sit up and listen. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm George Zafiropoulos, KJ6VU. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the Spokane, Washington UHF repeater of K7TMF and K7MMA on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. In the U.S., the FCC has issued a reminder to all amateurs that the agency's Legacy Commission Registration System, known by the acronym CORS, is being retired effective July 15th. Hams who are already using the current version of CORS, also known by the name CORS 2, are not impacted by the retiring system. Legacy CORS users must make the transition by establishing a username account and then accessing CORS 2 to associate their registration numbers with their usernames. Amateurs in the UK have the opportunity to celebrate the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II simply by calling QRZ. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, brings us those details. The arrival of June has brought an extra element of distinction for amateur radio operators in the UK who are looking to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee on the air. Hams who have applied for a notice of variation from Ofcom will be inserting a queue into their call signs throughout the month to mark the occasion. Those who have not applied for the NOV can still add a slash 70 to the end of their call signs as an alternative. Be listening on the bands for that extra touch for the royal celebration. The opportunity has been made available to hams at foundation, intermediate and full licence levels. The addition of Q to call signs had also been authorised for the Queen's earlier jubilees in 2012 and 2020. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. There will be lots to do for youngsters attending Youth on the Air Camp this month in Ohio. The good news is that there's also plenty happening for those of us who aren't even campers. Cell MB KB3TZD explains. Even if you're no longer young enough to go to summer camp anymore, you can still be part of the action happening this month at the Youth on the Air Camp for Young Hams from North Central and South America. You can try to get into the log when the young operators activate the special event call sign W8Y while the camp is in session between Sunday, June 12th and Friday, June 17th. If you wish to attend the opening and closing ceremonies, these will be live streamed on YouTube on the Youth on the Air channel. The camp is taking place this year at the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Ohio and at a nearby hotel. Nathaniel Frissel, W2NAF, founder of Hamsai, will speak at the opening ceremony on Sunday, June 12th, starting at 2100 UTC. Closing ceremonies will begin at 1700 UTC on Friday, June 17th. For details, visit the webpage youthontheair.org. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cell MB, KB3, TZD. 
Be listening for the special call sign EI90IRTS, which was issued to mark the 90th birthday of the Irish Radio Transmitter Society. Amateurs throughout Ireland are calling QRZ with this call sign on all bands and using all modes. According to a report from the IRTS, the call is already attracting pileups, so be ready. The call sign will be active for the remainder of this year. QSL via the Bureau, Logbook of the World, or EQSL. Direct QSLs can be sent to EI6AL, enclosing $2, or payment via PayPal or Clublog. Harold, DF2WO, will be using the call sign 9X2AW until the 22nd of June from Rwanda. He will be using CW, single sideband, RTTY, and FT8 on 160, 20, 17, 15, and 10 meters. QSL to M0OXO via OQRS. Take, JS6RRR slash JI3DST slash JJ5RBH is on the air from Shoto Island, AS200, until July 4th. Listen for the three call signs on 80 meters through 70 centimeters using CW, single sideband, FT8, RTTY, and FM. See QRZ.com for QSL details. We end this week's report with the story of the latest radio message that targets some receivers you might not necessarily find listed on QRZ. Ralph Squalacci, KK6ITB, tells us what's going on. A group of California researchers is planning what some might call the DX to end all DXs. They recently announced they'll be transmitting a message from a deep space network at Goonhilly Downs, England, to an alien solar system 39 light years away. The message targets TRAPPIST-1, a dwarf star outside our solar system. Unlike amateur radio, the message to be sent in early October will be able to transmit music, and it will do so, along with details about the environmental crisis we are having here on Earth. The researchers are part of a group called METI International, a group of scientists devoted to pursuing interstellar messaging. In fact, the acronym stands for Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Their planned message follows in the tradition of the most famous radio transmission to date, sent almost 50 years ago from the Arecibo Radio Telescope in Puerto Rico. A decade later, another mode of messaging was used involving the so-called Golden Records, phonograph records sent on board the two Voyager spacecrafts. None of these attempts at communication reportedly got replies, even though in Voyager's case, instructions were included on how to play the records. Perhaps radio will win the day after all, and this new message will succeed where others seem to have failed. Well, let's hope the band conditions are promising and hope someone is still around if any reply comes. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ralph Squillaci, KK6ITB. With thanks to the ARRL, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, BigThink.com, Clark Ackeson, AA8SH, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, the Radio Society of Great Britain, South China Morning Post, Southgate Amateur Radio News, shortwaveradio.de, the Wireless Institute of Australia, Youth on the Air, and you, our listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization that does incur expenses for its continued operation. 
If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022. All rights reserved.